0: Welcome to the 21st Century Schizoid Podcast. I'm your host, Cooper Cherry. We are continuing our um, best of film series with Andrew Stamper. Andrew's joining me again for his number four film, The Vanishing, a Dutch film by what is it, George Schluser? <laughs>
1: that sounds about right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so based based on a nineteen eighty four novel by I think Tim Krippy Creep. Eh, Creepy <laughs> again. Sounds about right. Something like that. Yeah. So, um, since since you're more familiar with this film, if you don't mind, I'm going to let you perhaps do a a plot summary for us.
1: Sure, absolutely. And again, thank you very much for bringing me back. Uh, so, in the case of Loose or The Vanishing, um, the the 1988 film is the one we're going to be talking about because there was a 1993 remake. Also um, directed by George Sluzer one of those rare occurrences where the, the original filmmaker also remade the movie as well. So uh, the story focuses on our, our two central protagonists, Rex and Saskia, on just a couple of Dutch uh, tourists going through France during the uh, the Tour de France, and they they get into an argument and um, and there there's a lot of discussion of what you know, about like not, not leaving each other and making sure that they never, ever have anything. They never encounter something like that again. So he, uh, Rex, he he makes a promise that he'll never, ever leave his girlfriend uh, again. So they promptly go to a a gas station, um, and rest stop. And wouldn't you know it? He, he loses her, uh, again. And, um, basically he, he, he goes, gets a little obsessed with trying to figure out what happened to her and this goes on for years where he just doesn't he doesn't let it go it just builds and builds and builds he just needs to know what happens to her and this movie is really interesting because we are then introduced to the the abduct the abductor and he's just your seemingly fairly wealthy family man has a couple kids and uh married and um yeah we 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 learn a little bit about him And, um, and doing a plot summary on this is just a little, is a little unnerving because as I like really try to think about what goes on this movie, I just, it affects me because it's, it's, it's definitely, um, pretty, pretty heady, but in essence, what happens is, uh, we, we find, we, we humanize this abductor a little bit and, uh, through, Eventually, through a series of events, uh, the the abductor and Rex, the abductor, his name is Raymond, and uh, he, he's just this French guy, and he um, introduces himself to Rex and says, hey, you know, if you want to know what happens to Saskia, you know, just come with me, and we're going to put you through the, the same ordeal that, that she went, and Rex wants to know, is she dead? He's like, you know, come with me, and, you know, I, I promise you'll know everything that you need <laughs> to know, and... And then uh, Rex does do through you know, goes through those challenges, and and at the end we have a um, very intriguing uh, <laughs> uh, final uh, final scene in the film. And if you want to see it, I, I don't know if I really want to give it away, but I I feel at this point if you're listening, you, right, you, yeah. you gotta spoiler from yeah, henceforth, uh, yeah, major spoilers. major major spoiler. And what we find out is that. Uh, Raymond, in fact, uh, buried Saskia alive, and we only know this because Rex, after taking a, uh, uh, like a sleeping pill, is awakened to find himself inside of a, a coffin, and and then uh, we kind of pan out, and then we, we see that he's, in fact, buried alive, and, um, you know... And, uh, yeah, so he dies, <laughs> um, very, very twisted, but yeah, uh, just a, a cute, you know, a uh, Dutch couple on holiday, they get separated and, and then the, um, the, the male, uh, ver- the male person in the, in the couple just goes on a never ending obsessive search to figure out what fi- what happens to her. And then he finally meets up with a guy that kidnapped her and, and then he, he certainly finds out what happens to her. And and that's that's your brief summary for the film.
0: And I think even so, was it Raymond? He had been mail sending him letters in the meantime, like over the years. That's correct. Sort yeah. Sort of like sending Rex, the protagonist, on on sort of a wild goose chase mm-hmm. for him, and sort of taunting him in that way. But uh, I'm glad that you chose this film because it's it's so right up my alley. In good, terms good. Of, I'm glad. I think the, really, the overall, the themes of this and the different takes on it are fascinating. Mm-hmm. There's really a lot of meat there in terms of the psychology and the philosophy of the film, but uh, I kind of want to start out with some of the sort of miscellaneousness. I think you're, I mean, you've covered some of that with this film being remade by the exact same director uh, later on, but, you know, there's stanley kubrick famously said that this was the scariest film he had ever seen
1: yeah yeah um and he it's a really really fascinating story and there's this great interview where george loser is talking about this and then like um when uh, stanley kubrick had reached out to him talking about you know like that it was his scariest film and uh, George Sluzer, you know, <laughs> rebutted with, you know, like the shining and other, uh, terrifying films that, uh, Stanley Kubrick had done himself. But, uh, yeah, like Stanley Kubrick was really, really fascinated with this film and I spoke with uh Sluzer and wanted to know about like the editing. And it's just a, it, the, the history of this film is very fascinating because it, it it's a very, very, um, I mean, low budget film. I mean Um, and granted, the 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 actors in the film are are wonderful. It's just uh, it's just a movie that's just kind of taking on taking on a huge life over over the years. And I mean, it it had some success and acclaim when it came out, but I feel that this movie is actually like taught in a lot of like foreign film like college uh, school you know classes across the country. And but one of one of my favorite things was the you know hearing about how how in love with this film that Stanley Kubrick was
0: definitely i would i would have to agree with with Kubz that this was a fucking terrifying but in a totally different way than than you would expect i i don't know if i would consider it a horror film in the typical sense that yeah. you consider you know what i mean like a scary movie like the tradi- like the trope scary movie like this is this is almost what i like my immediate thoughts were this is verging on on sort of Lovecraftian type of horror, um, existential almost horror.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I mean, you, you do, you have that, that doomed protagonist, right? And I mean, it, this movie is so fascinating because it is, it, it's, it's terrifying and it's terrifying in a very realistic way. Exa- yeah. You it's know,
0: so like, so, banal, like the banality of evil is yep. the best way I can describe mm-hmm. it.
1: And what makes this film even more horrifying is really just kind of, I mean, at the core, right? I mean, we 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 we've kind of turned the the kidnapper into kind of a, I'm not going to say a hero, but uh, he's not uh, an antagonist in in the traditional sense. But anybody that would kidnap somebody and bury them live is a horrible, horrible film. I'm a person, horrible person. <laughs> um, and, but what makes this film very interesting is they, they recognize that and they even call it out um, about like how somebody can go ahead and do something so, like capable of such unspeakable, um, you know, a horrible act. But uh, it's juxtaposed when, with him earlier in the film, how he got there by him actually saving a little girl's life and, how his daughter you know called him a hero and he couldn't really identify with himself as a hero if he's not really capable of doing something horrible so then he just goes through 20 30 minutes of the film building up this this courage and how strategy to do something terrible but the movie the movie comes just so like horrific because yeah i mean it's it's seemingly a normal everyday guy and this movie is just terrifying. It's probably the scariest movie that you'll ever see without any blood, right? Um, or jump scares, or, or jump anything scares. Like it, it it just it it yeah. I mean, it's not like torture porn, you know, or anything. It right. it's just it's just horrifying yet amazing, you know. It, there's just it, it's 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 a beautiful film in in a morbid sense, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, I think the budget was two hundred fifty thousand. I don't know if it was euros or whatever the dutch currency is. Right. Which well, is it's just I mean, of course this is 1988 that the film was produced, but even so, mm-hmm. even in those dollars. Yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. It's really impressive and we screened this last night together. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing I said was, "Man, that's fucked up." Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think that's pretty much like the uh the first reaction I saw when um uh, when I saw it for the first time and the, the truth is I actually saw the the, the remake, the 1993 version, first. I was like, a you know, just a teenager in high school, and I saw the the uh, the American version. And I, I guess we, this would be maybe a good time to kind of like segue a little bit and talk about that version because it is a Hollywood production. It does have a, a larger budget associated with it, and a pretty, <laughs> by today's standards, a pretty recognizable cast. I mean, you have Jeff Bridges playing the role of Raymond, and you have Kiefer Sutherland playing the role of Rex. And a young Sandra Bullock playing the role of of Saskia. Of course, the names are changed in the film, but um, and then Nancy Travis has a role in the film too. But it has a quintessential Hollywood style ending because the the original Rex, like Saskia, is buried alive, and the American Kiefer Sutherland too is buried alive, but he gets out. He gets out and is able to get vengeance on on uh, on Jeff Bridges. And that really is, you know, it's kind of fascinating because it's the same filmmaker and, but entirely different type of, type of ending, but it's just like quintessential, like Hollywood, you know, the good guy, you know, uh, is able to, you know, um, uh, you know, get one over basically, you know, the good guy, you know, uh, then, yeah, good guy prevails. Exactly. But in the, in the European version, not even not even slightly <laughs> if you're looking for a happy ending then you know you've chosen the wrong film but um but yeah so when I when I saw the original I was like oh my god that's so crazy he got buried alive but he got out this is awesome and I was talking to I was talking to uh some people after I had seen that and like yeah I'm pretty sure that's actually based on you know a, a, a foreign film I'm like really so I researched it and researched it and was able to of course you know like this is the 90s I didn't really have the power of like google at my fingertips or anything but i was able to get my hands on it um this is when i was living in bermuda bermuda we had like this really amazing or we had this amazing video store called phase one video and they literally stockpiled every movie that you would ever want to see so i was really really fortunate in my teenager uh teenage years if i ever needed something to go there and be able to find and sure enough they had a copy of it and you know 90 minutes or two hours later whatever the movie is uh credits roll and i think man that's fucked up (laughs) um because it is it's an entirely entirely different movie even though it's the same movie and it's the same concept and everything is the same but the just the the final 10 minutes in one movie versus the final 10 minutes in another just completely changes everything but if you've ever seen the american version it's a good ride but the the dutch slash french Slash a little bit English movie (laughs) is infinitely better.
0: Yeah, it's funny. That would be like my blurb, you know. It's like Joel Siegel called this movie blah blah. It would be Cooper Chair. This movie's fucked up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but let's see. I. Oh man, where to even start on a film like this? It yeah, I mean, it's really like <laughs> where
1: do you begin? I mean, it's so, it's so, funny because it has being buried alive r- your right? thoughts
0: <laughs> discuss. Re- kind of reminds me of that a uh, quote from like The Wrath of Khan where he's like Kirk is like trapped on si- whatever one right. of those planets or something. He's like you'll be there buried alive. <laughs> <laughs> buried alive. Uh, but uh I don't know, perhaps the the acting is a great place to start um I think this is a sort of a challenge that I will, well, I, not, not exactly. That's more like writing. I was thinking acting, obviously Rex phenomenally, you know, just such realism in the performance. He was great. He's obviously probably the, uh, him and what was it? What's Raymond? Mm-hmm. And the, the funny thing too, I guess about Raymond was sort of his, you know what I mean? It was almost, there was almost some buffoonery. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> almost uh, when he takes out like the chloroform, and uh. very slapsticky <laughs> mm-hmm. sort of humor, sort of interspersed, which I think even maybe heightened the the terror. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, that really comes full full circle mm-hmm. at the end, which is kind of funny since you know the the film being based on the movie The Golden Egg, mm-hmm. and there's definitely a lot of circular imagery all throughout the film. Yeah, a lot I mean of- the plot. Ultimately has a circular logic yep. and circular narrative in many in many respects. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
0: but yeah, I, I guess those. So Saskia also, you know, she has such a brief portion of the film. But I think where she really kind of shined was in her interactions with Raymond in the in the gas station, yeah, the rest stop. Ap- you know what I mean? She absolutely. was so like especially the way that she was able to pull off so successfully. So she was kind of speaking broken French mm-hmm. to Raymond and just kind of a normal, everyday interaction, you know, that you might have with a stranger about, you know, borrowing change or something like that.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, like, um, and I, I'm i going to butcher her name, but, I mean, as one typically butchers a Dutch person's name, uh, but Joanna Tersteg, uh, or Terstig, but, yeah, she i loved her honestly like even though she had of the of the three main characters in the film she had like the the smallest role but i'm not gonna say she carries the film because she doesn't but she brings the the life that you really actually you give a shit and you can understand a little bit of uh rex's obsession you know not with her but just in the she's An awesome awesome female and like a great you know uh character and um her her performance especially and with her interaction with with raymond is just it's so great and when when they're talking um and just there's just this kind of um yeah with the broken french kind of like this naivety you know uh with her with and um you know with with the performance and it's just it's just great, and then when he finally um, convinces her to get in his car, and you know he puts like the the chloroform or whatever it is over her mouth, and just to see the horror like in her eyes, it, it just it felt real. It felt like it was really happening. It wasn't because it doesn't have any like flashy Hollywood like kind of like jump cuts or anything. It's just right. kind of it's just yeah, straightforward. Yeah. It's just like you are watching this happen, and then you, you just see it. And but that scene only really truly works because of their first scene um rex and sasuke's scene in the beginning where they run out of gas in the middle of a tunnel and they get into a fight and he just he just bolts and she's like don't leave don't leave don't leave and um he comes back and then they have that you know their their discussion that you know he'll never do anything like that again and like how like how much it affected her and so when she gets kidnapped, we know that it's bad, you know. But at that point, we already kind of already have an idea of what her fate was, and it's just, it's just a lot of weight. It's just a very very heavy, heavy um, film. But at the same time, it, it's it's just so good. It's just so good. It's just how something so bad can be so good.
0: It's I don't want to. I don't want to forget this? I'm going to say this now, but it go, sort of goes to the writing and the themes of the film. I think she's very much the fatal woman, very much like uh, from Vertigo. Mm. <laughs> like, there's a I feel like there's that sort she, I mean, she's not exactly the femme fatale, right? Exactly, exactly, but I think there's like there's a certain aspect of that to her character, mm-hmm. which I think is ironically somewhat of a through line throughout the three films, yeah, <laughs> that we've done so far. So, we have Vertigo, and I forget. The, I forget her name. Um, oh my
1: god! No, I can't. <laughs> I'm I'm like so tuned into uh, uh, vanishing right now. Um. Oh my god! I can't believe I forgot her name from Blade Runner. But anyway, it'll come. Well, back no, to from me. Blade Runner was Rachel. I'm sorry that a uh, uh, vertigo. Um, um,
0: it'll come back to me in a second. Right. No worries, but yeah. I, I don't know. I thought that was just sort of an in, like there's there's a little bit of a through line throughout these three films. And that there's that, what I'll call the fatal woman, mm-hmm. is, is part of part of the whole narrative structure. But I want to go ahead and venture forth into the writing and sort of, I guess, st- story structure of the mm-hmm. film, which I think really sets things up so perfectly. I think really amplified. So we have a very non-linear structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we sort of start out. They again, they're stranded in the tunnel. Um, they have a little bit of an argument, disagreement. He, Rex walks off, comes back to the car. Saskia is gone. Um, he freaks out a bit and then does ultimately discover her at the end of the, uh, end of the tunnel waiting for him. Mm -hmm. So then they venture forth to the, uh, a gas station or rest stop area and sort of, and so she goes, ventures inside and, and whatnot. But I guess before that, actually, they, they bury the coins. Yeah. Yeah. Underneath the tree. But I guess we're even skipping ahead because some, one of the biggest points of the whole film is early on, um Saskia Oh, her dream? Is, yes. So she's telling uh, Rex about this recurring dream that she's had where she is trapped in, in an egg, yelling and screaming to get out. hmm And so she recounts that she... There was a different recent version of this dream that she just had where... She is the same thing has occurred, but yet she there she can tell that there was someone else yep. also trapped in an mm-hmm. egg, and they're sort of floating through space together yep and until and they crash and I don't know that she doesn't really go into the specifics of that, but mm-hmm. I think the implication is that they were like going to collide with one another, or, yeah exactly, or something like that, and so it's really really goes and then we see um. Raymond preparing as well while they are sort of having their interactions mm-hmm. at, at the gas station. We see Raymond preparing in his car, so he puts on a uh, a cast, and I think he's loading it with his handkerchief that has some type of chloroform or some type yeah. of agent and what and whatnot for that. And then we see him sort of eyeballs Saskia, and then she disappears, and we're ne- we're left not knowing exactly. What happened? Obviously, he looks very suspicious. Some, You know what I mean? You can sort of make a little bit of a judgment there. But I th- thought, you know, we mentioned that scene later on in the film because right after she disappears, I think we focus, the focus shifts onto Raymond and sort of his, like we go back, we travel back in time to see his preparations mm-hmm. for this moment uh, where he abducts Saskia. Yep. But later on in the film, it's revealed sort of the backstory of to what actually happened to Saskia in inside the gas station if you will and that interaction with Raymond that very banal <laughs> conversation that they have but like no the, with the information that you're given beforehand it really you know what I mean there's a very eerie sense of dread yeah created in that because you sort of know like she's gonna meet She's gonna meet a bad end. We don't know exactly exactly what happened, yep, we know it's probably really bad and yeah. horrifying, and that unknown almost is maybe more satisfying yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe that's even sort of the lesson of the film too is like don't be don't be curious, man, <laughs> yeah
1: yeah I mean, and I mean that just opens up an entire like discussion, right? I mean, this movie. And that's one of the things that I that I love about a movie is just like if you if you can if you can talk about what you just saw, what happened, and then the ideas and what choices a character makes, and would you make those same those same choices in in the in that moment? And this movie talks a lot about fate and destiny and predestination, and it's interesting because that even allows you to you know have these type of conversations after the film anyway. But yeah, it's just. The, I forget where I was going uh, just now. Um, In a circle? In a circle, exactly. (laughs) But, shit, what was I saying? I don't know, whatever. Um,
0: I just wanted, real quick if I may, so I thought this was a very Hitchcockian technique in terms of, so we have this backstory of Raymond's whole preparation. So all the different iterations, like he's, even practicing how he would grab a, mm-hmm. a woman in his car and he's doing it with his daughter even yeah. as he picks her up from school. So we have like sort of all of this backstory and then we see later on Saskia at the, so we have all this backstory and connotation of like what he's doing and the steps that he's willing to take. And mm-hmm. then we see knowing that we see this very like innocent Saskia, this very innocent interaction and I, like I said that underlying sense of dread. So I thought that was br- brilliant in terms of the storytelling aspect of it to show us like what's revealed to us mm-hmm. as the audience, what the what's revealed to the characters. You know what I mean? The amount of information that we have versus the amount of information that the characters have. Yeah, which really is again very Hitchcockian. Yeah, I, I mean
1: thought, in the class, in his style of suspense, you know, is it, it's more terrifying if we know, like if the audience sees. You know before the the character, you know, so we see Raymond. We don't know who Raymond is yet, but and then obviously when we are introduced and we 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 have that context in the back, you know, it it does it. And then when we know how this is going to play, we, well, we that we don't. That's just what makes suspense is we don't know how it's going to play out. But it's the that character's reaction that we're that we're more invested in, right? I mean, it's what how does what we know going to affect someone that doesn't know? Like, And and so, yeah, it is. It's very, very classic, very classic Hitchcock.
0: Definitely. I mean, just the brilliance of the nonlinear elements of the story were, I mean, for the budget this film had, again, I mean, this is just textbook filmmaking, I think, mm-hmm. in terms of really using character and story to reveal something just, really horrifying yeah ultimately I mean that's all you need just a couple hundred
1: thousand dollars (laughs) go make
0: this you know I mean but I actually I would love to remake this film because as much as I did I really enjoyed the film it was sort of I mean it was a little bit some of it felt kind of cheesy and like I don't know the budget definitely kind of showed a little bit Mm -hmm. to some degree and I just think there were some moment like you could have totally like I'd like to see a modern adaptation of this film right just with you know some really because I think that some of it you know and this is going to be our, our my issue with my our my, the next film that I'm going to do which will be Amores Perros mm-hmm. is I think that you know so we're watching this film with subtitles on I don't speak Dutch or French and so I think something is lost there's some, lost in translation mm-hmm. not to be too cliche but I absolutely think that that plays a role. Like there's just something about hearing the dialogue in the original language that I think there's, you know what I mean? That's just, you know what I mean? There's yeah. There's a little bit of less impact, I think, mm-hmm. in reading and watching. You know what I mean? That's yeah. more of a distraction too, I think. Mm-hmm. Like you can't quite focus as well on the overall because, you know, you're literally having to re- right. read the dialogue as it comes up and just the impossibility of like that direct direct translation Mm -hmm. because i'm sure there's idioms and things like that that just don't quite translate over very well to english
1: yeah i mean when you're obviously converting the actual text i'm sure there's definitely some things that are lost um one of the things that i that i have to do as a viewer when it comes to like a foreign film is yeah I, i i have to watch it a few times i can't watch it one time because the first time I'm watching I'm, I'm more paying attention to the overall story arc and 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 so sometimes like the subtle nuances of, of dialogue and theme like thematic like language that is being used can be overlooked but this one tries to be a little like on the nose uh, as well um, you know by like referencing like the golden egg so we hear about that throughout the film you know where she has a dream and then he's talking about the golden egg and then Sluzer does a, at least I feel like does at least a good job of using a lot of that circular imagery to go ahead and say hey, kind of want you to pay attention to this. This is going to pay off. This is going to, you know, like be important in this in this final act. When, sure enough, as you know, um, Rex is you know uh, meeting his end in the in the coffin with you know flicking the, um, the lighter uh, when he realizes that he is in fact like trapped inside golden egg so but yeah i mean in terms of like yeah any foreign film you know when you're there's always gonna be elements that will definitely be lost in the in the literal like translation or the context that you're uh that you know from the original language And this film is really really challenging because it's actually done predominantly in two languages obviously there's uh small bits in the film where he's trying to speak english but this is a this is a dutch film but takes a lot of it takes place in france so and you know um the like the bulk of the movie is spoken in french the only people that are really speaking dutch are sasky and rex when they're speaking to each other so and that actually posed a lot of problems for this film when it when it came to like submitting for like awards I i think this was um it like got denied from like the from like the Oscars one year. It did win some other like uh, awards within the Netherlands, but when it came to, I know this has nothing to do with a, a translation. What you what you had mentioned a moment ago, but I just, I just I'm just thinking about you know remembering that um, because there was so much French in the film that like I think it got stripped of being like a Dutch film for like their their movie for their Oscar submission that year. So, but anyway, little little side note.
0: I want to talk a lot about the imagery that we see in this film. There's uh, like we'd mentioned there's a lot of repetition of of sort of oval or circular circles and yellow as well. Um so they're in the they're in the tunnel and so that's obviously the circle. Of the tunnel, and we have it's dark inside the tunnel, and we have the light at the end of the tunnel, so to yep. speak. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have like approaching cars with you know yellow two yellow orb headlights. Mm-hmm. Um, the two coins that Saskia and Rex bury underneath a tree after they make their promise to one another to to never leave each other. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that I'm missing others, but definitely that that circular imagery is They had like what were they ping pong balls or golf balls? Oh yeah, balls? later on, yeah. Um Raymond has a in his car a whole package of ping pong balls that mm-hmm. fall out onto the ground, which somewhat, you know, reminiscent of eggs. Yep. The uh I feel like there's what else? Um It even carries over too to like sort of the the story logic because the way that we're sort of brought full circle in that Rex ultimately winds up experiencing the same thing as Saskia in terms of the narrative and the thematic element of that Mm. um, winding up in that same space. But I'm, I'm sort of curious about the use of yellow in this film because it is, it is literally everywhere. It's everywhere. It is everywhere. It's, yeah,
1: a lot, a lot of yellow.
0: Her shirt is yellow. Saskia's shirt is yellow. Rex is wearing a gold shirt. I mean, there's golden awnings. Mm-hmm. There's trucks with yellow in them. I was going to say, was there a yellow car? Someone I can't recall, but my mind believes it was like a yellow car. But. <laughs> I think Raymond even had some type of gridded paper with yellow circles or squares mm-hmm. on it as well i mean that was that was everywhere so it made me wonder is this like what is what does yellow represent in film typically you know well i think
1: you know um probably in i mean this is probably like, gold i guess yeah exactly this is just like like right on the nose you know like as far as like a golden egg and just by using a lot of gold the color you know imagery it's just you know again it it's just something that's looser like this it's just like right on the nose. But as far as like in other films, I don't know, but this movie, I, th- I feel that, that use of it was again, just to draw attention to, to just that. So he's, he's hitting you over the head with, with not just like talking about or the imagery of, of just like uh circular imagery, but also the, the color of, so you're getting a color like gold or yellow, and then you have circles everywhere. How even like right when, uh, before he takes like the like the coffee sleeping pill or whatever, you know, it's raining and uh, Raymond's sitting in the car watching him and Rex is running in a circle around in a tree, you know, so even he's running around in a circle. And so, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it's just and then I guess even the light like shining um, like at night when it was like raining, there's still like yellow hues even and even there. So, I mean, it's everywhere. I mean, everywhere in
0: this film because i w- i wonder about the intentionality of it in terms of things like because you know i had mentioned the lovecraftian sort of elements of this story i wonder if if this is sort of a nod to to that and the author robert chambers who wrote the yellow king, or the king in yellow and it was sort of this weird fiction mm-hmm. in the late in the late 1800s early or excuse me late 19th century which obviously which sort of informed I think uh, Lovecraft himself was informed by by Chambers' work, mm-hmm. and then obviously, also interestingly enough, in um, the show, the first season of the show True Detective, we have the King in Yellow. Um, yellow is a very strong, oh. like that's yeah. the King in Yellow is sort of once we actually get revealed who the 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 sort of sculpture or the statue mm-hmm. in quote-unquote carcosa is of he's wearing yellow Mm -hmm. and so forth and then also the element of time being a flat circle Mm -hmm. like the circular circular nature of time and i guess that also goes into aspects of free will and you know everything already being sort of predetermined yep which ties in of course i think in this case the it's there's some definitely some interesting play with the ideas of free will and determinism, yeah, they kind of like try to flip it upside down a little
1: bit in terms of like uh, imagine World War was like like predetermined that I wouldn't do this or that I would do that, and they're they're acting or by their their choices. like so, in the case of um Raymond, like whether he jumped or didn't jump um and broke you know, broke whatever he did and lost a couple of fingers or whatever it was that he, when he was recounting, there's that, that, that story when he's talking about when he was a kid and he jumped off, of, out of, out of a window. And, and then later, uh, Rex kind of bringing that back to, you know, bringing that back to him when he's talked about, like, I imagine like not drinking, uh, or, or like it was predetermined that I wouldn't drink it. So he, he drank it. So they, they, they do, they kind of like talk about free will and kind of like going
0: against it. And it's interesting. But I would say that uh, that to me, the dream itself that Saskia has at the opening of, and recounts at the opening of the film, sort of gives me the sense that this is a deterministic universe. Mm-hmm. And even so, and just the like, it had to be determined because of the series of events that led to yep. Raymond abducting Saskia. Many of the many of the elements of that were influenced by very banal. Just sequences in the in the film that sort of like, um, so he recounts the story of jumping out of the window to Rex, and then later on we see a scene where he's with his family. They've given him a gift, and it's sort of about his life and its photos. Mm -hmm. And there's a photo of him wearing a uh, the cast.
1: Yep. And oh yeah, exactly. Which give
0: which gives him the idea to oh okay I need to if I appear vulnerable myself then i it, it'll be easier to lure mm-hmm. this woman that i want to abduct and yeah and do something horrifying too mm-hmm. so he gets that idea so if if he had never jumped out of that window he might never have taken that leap. exactly <laughs> literally
2: yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: and then the whole thing is the whole di- you know the whole thing is different because mm-hmm. i think even even at the gas station as well Raymond tries to talk another woman. Isn't it? The, is, I don't know if it's the same day or... Yeah, it's the same day. Or not. And he sort of fails in his attempt. hmm So just this arbitrary, you know what I mean? Anything anything could have occurred differently to prevent Saskia from being his chosen victim. hmm So it's kind of funny that he, you know, talks about if I take this the leap from this window ledge... You know, is it, he's asks and he mentions, you know, is it predetermined that I don't jump? Yeah. And then he jumps. But the irony is that that very exactly. thing
1: exactly. sets
0: in motion the future that we end up with. Mm-hmm. Because that, that leap prepares, I mean, that is his break from normality. And he even discusses this, that he has always had some type of something a bit odd or off about his personality. Mm-hmm that he notices. So I think taking that leap from his window led him. So later on when he saves a young girl, so he's on vacation with his family and he sees a young girl drowning and he jumps off a pretty high bridge into the water and saves her. So I think it's like that, that ability to leap prepared him to take that leap to be this heroic person Mm -hmm. in that situation. Yep. and rescue the young girl which i think also pushes him further to, to take the leap to see what horrors that he's capable mm-hmm. of within himself.
2: Yep. Nailed it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then Rex also, you know, plays with that same idea of like he, he so at first he is no he he's not willing he gives up in a sense his desire to see what happened to Saskia, mm-hmm. at least at first. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I'm not going to participate because Raymond offers him, like said, the sort of the spiked coffee. Yep, He's like, drink this, and you'll see what happened to Saskia. And he's like, no. And, um, then I think the turning point for for Raymond, for Rex is that he digs up, so he's at the same spot where they buried the coins. Exactly, yeah. And he sees that he finds the two coins, and I think that's where he remembers his promise to never abandon Saskia, mm-hmm. and so then he takes that drink, and he references again: Is it predetermined that I'm not going to take this drink? Well, it's pre- apparently it was predetermined that he would yep. take that drink, and then fulfill the dream mm-hmm. that Saskia has at the beginning, bringing things full circle. Yep. <laughs> yep. Berdala yeah
2: it's, it's just
1: it's just so beautiful, but I mean in the in the or it's twisted in the most beautiful of ways um because it is it's so fucking twisted, but so great,
0: yeah, oh God, I mean, I think my worst fear is a painful death, and so that the existential horror of Rex realizing that he is buried alive and that he could have avoided it Mm -hmm. and that he you know what I mean he's trapped in that box it's not going to be quick it's not going to be easy it's going to be there's going to be suffering and just coming to that horrifying realization that you are going to just pretty much rot and you have there's no hope for escape Mm -hmm. you are trapped you are Pre- everything is predetermined at this point. Mm-hmm. You just have to go through the motions of this predetermined universe where you will die and meet a horrifying end. Mm-hmm. And he sort of laughs. Um, he does laugh sort yeah. of hysterically, and he yep. kicks off his shoes. And then he—it's funny—he's got holes in his holes in his socks that are circular as well. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, that's uh, one of the, the other little like funny gags that he finds at the end. You know, when he's kind of losing it, but. Yeah, it's a lesson. Don't ever run out of gas. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: but I so I thought too in terms of the th- the themes and the philo- philosophy of the film, you know that that sort of deterministic universe that they both e- are trying to escape from, but even in trying to escape and thinking that they're exercising free will, <laughs> leads uh, to the very end. Mm-hmm. That they were maybe trying to avoid. It's, or determines the their end in some respects, mm-hmm. which I think is a really brilliant concept to and that's maybe the p- most powerful thing about, well, I don't know that that ability to change to realize that you are trapped and you could have so easily escaped it if you had not if you had just left if he had not b- been obsessed with finding out the truth mm-hmm. of what happened. To he could have escaped this horrifying fate
1: yeah and i'm I'm really interested because i haven't read the book but what i know about the book is that the choice for raymond and rex to meet up was a choice was something that sluizer like actually had like done that wasn't how like the original book oh, okay. is constructed like with the golden egg or at least it's what what i believe like um and just brief research what i what i so i'm i'm really actually fascinated to read this book but um just to see you know like how how it all plays out there but the if this is in fact the way that you know george Sluzer put it together i mean it's just all the more brilliant and because it does it, it it adds a lot more a lot more weight to it and it does provide um, this discussion, where you're talking about as far as predetermination and uh, like in fate and destiny, and it's it's fascinating. Um, the so.
0: circular logic of it. Mm-hmm. But I also think, you know, I mentioned this a couple of times already, is the Lovecraftian yeah, elements of horror absolutely. that are in this film. In this film, and I want to unpack that a, a little bit further out in the sense that. So in a typical Lovecraftian story, what we have is a very like, you know, what I mean, it's typically like a detective or someone who's very curious, much like Rex, mm-hmm. in that they want they want to know the truth, they want to find they something strange happens, and they want to find out what happens, and in so doing, typically in these in the Lovecraftian model, it's a, just slightly a slight difference. So. Usually, what is happening is the protagonist in one of these stories encounters a something supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be like Narlatep being like their a- avatar for these like very these cosmic beings that mm-hmm. are well beyond like mu- multi-dimensional beings that are beyond our perception, um, but they can take on avatars and whatnot and interact with us. And so the protagonist in a lot of Lovecraftian horror discovers some type of weird like there's a cult or there's something crazy that's this cosmic horror like it drives them it drives them mad ultimately mm-hmm. yep. this search for truth and so forth so I think like I wonder how much of this is intentional for Schluser in this story because that, this is immediately what I what I felt was like this is this is not cosmic horror but this is a very similar type of you know this the search for truth and this use of rationality and curiosity will lead you to a bad end. Mm -hmm. So don't ask any fucking questions. (laughs) Stay at home. (laughs) Don't ask any questions. If a stranger asked you for a favor, don't fucking do it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because he doesn't quite, so Rex doesn't quite face, unless you could, you know, you could perhaps argue in a sense that Raymond is, perhaps some type of, you know, it's not hinted at in the film, but I could see a reading of this where he is the avatar for some cosmic entity that just wants to sort of, you know I mean? He's sort of experimenting with his own morality. I mean, his beard is pretty (laughs) alien-like, you know, so... Because Raymond's character, too, is so coldly rational. Like, he's timing himself when he, he drugs himself like in his whole run up to the to the act and we see him go through this process of uncovering strategies for abducting someone and he's going about it in a very scientific way he's a chemistry teacher as well mm-hmm. using this very rational mathematical logical approach checking that...
1: his pulse while he's doing this you know like Exa-
0: yeah exactly checking his pulse for whenever he's making these attempts to abduct women <laughs> and, to, and and obviously so he's got a book where it's written down he's obviously done this multiple times he's using d- data he's using like the tools of sort of the enlightenment and the and reason and r- rational like approaches that are supposed to be beneficial for all of humanity but it's a you know when it in the wrong hands like this mm-hmm. it's just a very clear message that this rationality that everyone praises you know what i mean this this can take us in very Dangerous and dark directions, if it's if there's not something else going on, because I feel like Rex, is, in many ways, is the foil to that in the sense of he is a he's passionate, he's mm-hmm. the romantic, right? Mm-hmm. He's are that, you know. What I mean, he's sort of before the twentieth century, you know. I mean, we had sort of the British Romanticist movement, sort of a throwback to sh- sh- codes of chivalry and, mm-hmm. and things like that. With you know, like John Keats, for example, has that poem, La Belle, uh, The Woman Without Mercy, I think is okay. ultimately the translation, and it's sort of this courtly love, kind of eerie sort of poem about this woman that ultimately draws him in and mm-hmm. kills him in, in a similar sense. But so you have that con- contrasted with this rational, this 20th century r- reasonable, you know, data, mathematics, chemistry, all of these different tools of science mm-hmm. and reason that are used to carry out this horrible deed, which even so Raymond admits too that he doesn't think that just killing someone is the worst thing that you can do, and I think he definitely, yeah, mm-hmm. bearing bearing someone alive is all. It's funny. It's too. It's like it's not really even that violent you know what I mean there's it's not violent but it's just it's what's so unsettling about it is the cold this this cold reasoned approach to testing out his own like theorizing about his own morality and that's just it that's what ethics
1: yeah that's exactly what makes it so so horrifying is the fact that of just the just the like just the simplicity of of what the 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 act itself is I mean he just gives somebody knocks somebody out and puts him in a coffin and puts dirt on him boom and then the the final scene where it's just it's just where he's just sitting on his like his porch and just watching his daughter just like water the plants where both uh Rex and Saskia now you know lay and he's just looking at them and it's just it's just cold it's just cold and
0: yeah there's the two plants representing those two but it's so earlier in the film too um it's when raymond is he's with like a business partner or something and they're walking down the street and they see that so rex is this is like three years later Mm -hmm. he's been putting up posters um i'm not sure what the translation is i'm assuming it's like have you seen this woman and it's a picture of saskia so Raymond sees one of these and comments to the gentleman he's with. He's like, yeah, this, I admire this guy because mm-hmm. it's been three years and he's still at it. So I wonder, is there, what, is that what's driving Raymond as well? Is this jealousy of f- being able to feel mm. in the room? And because he's very, you know what I mean? Rex's passion, his commitment to her, his, his, that meaning, the, the love between them or what have you, is that what he... He can't experience that, so he is jealous of it.
1: I mean, it's entirely possible because it kind of juxtapose that a little bit with both his daughter and his wife asking if he's... Having she- an affair. If he's that. having an affair. And... And then there's a little bit, and actually, then it ties into how he even gets to the rest stop in the first place is, you know, he's trying to, you know, find a girl to, you know, get into his car and somebody recognizes him.
0: Oh, yeah. Ah, That's great. I'm glad you brought that up because that's another aspect of that sort of deterministic path Mm -hmm. that the film takes. And that's just on a very arbitrary situation where, Mm -hmm. so he is... Tries to he tries to abduct this woman, but it turns out he knows her. She was his daughter's volleyball teacher, yep, or something like that. And you know she co- sort of rebuffs him. She's like, "You don't recognize me," and gives him the idea to go to the rest stop. So it's like this very arbitrary. He's yeah, like, if you're you know if you're trying to having an affair or something,
1: and you're like there's plenty of foreign girls you can go ahead and yeah. meet or whatever.
0: But the arbitrariness of that and the also with a deterministic element maybe that is what is so terrifying about the entire thing this very realist approach in the film but also just the the random like the random chances that predetermine this to happen in many ways mm-hmm. is just that's the most unsettling part or one of the most unsettling parts. I don't know if you can top. Being I mean, they're, bar- they're all unsettling. Being <laughs> buried alive yeah. and knowing that you could have avoided it, and knowing that you're in for a very painful, terrible, horrible death mm-hmm. that it's going to be drawn out. I mean, that's my worst. That's my worst fear. Probably is a. Something crazy like that. You yeah, know what I, mean, I mean, like that's uh, literally. Definitely, my biggest fear is it. some kind of crazy, long, drawn out, painful death where I just kind of like. Uh, I mean, murder trapped is, in the yeah. woods or something. Like, I'd rather just go quickly.
1: I don't. Exactly, and that, I mean, murder is murder, murder is horrible. Um, but the idea of like a fast murder you know, <laughs> right? seems like it just, just f- shoot me in the face. It just Wait. seems a far more humane um, way. But there, just the. De- the cold calculated it. I mean, it, it's super calculated everything that he did, you know, just to literally
0: calculate it yeah. with the time that the drug was going to take effect mm-hmm. and his heart rate. And,
1: and yeah, to the point where the the deed was, they, you know, they would be, they wouldn't wake up until it, w- it was too late, you know? And just the whole idea of like that, that's how you're going to go. It's going to be slow and it's going to be horrible. And, yeah, that that for me, yeah, a slow death is like the worst, the worst thing in the world. Like, you know, and just to murder somebody very slowly just is just a whole nother level of evil. And Raymond Raymond is just so fascinating because he, you know, he obviously he's obsessed, you know, not obsessed, but he's fascinating. He admires, you know, Rex's like tenacity. Um but you know, and then how he's kind of, like, goading him, like, over the years by sending him messages or whatnot. But Rex kind of tosses him an alley-oop by saying, I just want to know. You know, I'm, I I want to meet you. I want to, you know, like, I just want to know. And Raymond obliges. and And it's not good news for Rex.
0: <laughs> so two interesting points as well. That one is the interaction where... Okay, so... Raymond and Rex are traveling along. Rex wants to get some air. They stop at sort of, I guess, a rest area or some type of like park setup, And they're having a discussion and they're talking about, I think, I forget exactly what the context is, but there was like even a moment where they share, there's a moment of levity Mm -hmm. between these two people. Obviously, like (laughs) that was another aspect of it that I think really... Was you know what I mean? You just don't see that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it very much humanized Raymond to a degree to Rex. And then he like, he very quickly walks off after he realizes that he has this like moment to where he sees Raymond as a person Mm -hmm. and not this animal that has taken his life in many Mm -hmm. respects. Yeah. Another Uh, point that I want to bring up is how bad a fighter uh, Rex (laughs) is. right yeah so when he first when rex first or is approached by raymond and he raymond admits that he wants to help him find out what happened you know rex attacks him and he's got sort of these open palm not well not open palm his fists are closed but he's like very ineffectual yeah just very like
1: infantile you know uh way and then even like raymond just going to the ground kind of like cowering and you know just but just the whole thing it's not slapsticky but it's it's kind of comical, the um, just the that the, the little fight there. But uh, no, uh, what were you saying?
0: So, I mean, Rex admitting, too, that he's like, I don't even, I don't hate you. Mm, yeah. I don't even hate you. I just want to know what happened. And then later on, to Raymond references that as well. He's like, I don't, I believe that you don't hate me, but I have to pretend that I don't was it was that the line
1: um i mean more or less so it was um that you do i think yeah like that's pretend that you do yeah uh which is why then he says you know drink this
0: but i also want to jump back to a earlier conversation they have when raymond is sort of recounting all the the preparation and different things he's taken so he had difficulty getting luring women to his car and he said you know i could probably i could do it with prostitutes but the problem is that no one cares about them Mm -hmm. and that's what makes me wonder like is there this is he jealous of this passion is he is he so i guess so much of an emotional robot that he can't feel genuine emotion and he resents that and that's why he wants, like that sort of seems to be his psychological motivation.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think you're, I think you're dead on. Right. Absolutely.
0: And that's just, Oh that that's brutal too. Cause like I, I can't derive any status. I, it's not, it's not just about doing something horrible to someone that no one cares about, like a prostitute. It's like, I have to do something horrible to someone that is cared for and loved. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously Rex is, I mean, I, years later, he is still on the search. Yeah, and for his missing love, you know.
2: Yeah, and and
1: and this is one of the things that I love about um, Saskia or uh, Joanna Trusik is that you know it's hopeless, but when you're watching that, you're almost you, you you know that it it doesn't end well, but there there there's still that hope that you have while you're watching this that you're you are rooting for her, um, and it's. Yeah, it just it. So it it does add more weight in because you, I mean, you are holding out hope for a, a doomed character, and when you when you pair that with
0: just the fatal woman,
2: right? yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I I don't think I have anything else to really to really cover. I think we pretty much covered what I sort of wanted to get into. I in guess the respects. only
1: I think the only thing. Um, I guess my question that I would have for you is, do you think in the same situation that Rex was in, you would do the same thing that he did?
0: I probably would not. I would not. No, there's no way. I would go with the man. Mm-hmm. There's no way in hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I would not. I would not do it. Yeah, I'm too cautious for that yeah. kind of shit. I'm like, eh. Especially if I, I feel like I'm very good at reading people mm-hmm. if i get a on if i notice something off about someone like i pi- i pick up on that shit really really right. quick mm-hmm. i can tell like it's if i i can usually tell if someone is not authentic or there's something off about them i like it's yeah i have like a spidey sense
1: <laughs> i mean it wouldn't make for a very good film right yeah exactly but um but yeah no it, it's just and those are the things that that i'm fascinated because um i like to believe that no no chance in hell like i'm i i I like to believe that i'm perceptive enough uh to say yeah this this dude is freaking bad news and anything that um you know there there are definitely different things that can be done to go ahead and i I know who this guy is now i you know i've seen his car i know his license plate number we can go ahead you know like and it's not simply just a, a word you know like at least you know who this guy is. Now you can go ahead and you can make your new obsession studying this fucking guy um, instead of just putting up billboards all over town. But, uh, but I, I am. I for me, why I'm why I like these movies are I, you know as far as trying to get in the head of who these characters are and would I make those same choices that that they did? And while I like to believe that I wouldn't, it makes it really really fascinating. And those are the things that I'm just drawn to and just wanting to kind of see is, you know, like the, the choices people make and whether or not it was a choice at all, if it was, it was something that was already determined, you know, it, w- it was their destiny. This is what was going to happen. But those are, th- those are the things that I'm drawn to. It's part of the reason, I mean, um, you know, when I, when I have, you know, this movie or a movie like vertigo,
0: <laughs> it's funny too, I just had this thought that the sort of circular, like the vertigo, like the spiraling. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of a, th- a through line there as well there thematically,
1: and um, admittedly, the reason why I I, I chose this movie um, was when the moment when you uh, said your your next selection, I was like, oh man, I want to do my favorite foreign film because uh, I mean, uh, so I mean, I, I saw this movie like 20 years ago, and it's still like one of my favorite movie to introduce people to. Like, oh, have you ever seen this? No. Yeah, right. Oh shit! Do I have a movie yeah, for you? Seriously. So, and... I'm glad you did, man. This I'm glad. Is, I'm glad. Wow. Yeah.
0: The theme, I mean, these themes, like, I've been obsessed with elements of, like, free will, um, this sort of existential cosmic horror uh, element of, like, this pursuit of, of knowledge or this pursuit of truth is something that will lead lead you to madness or, you know, a violent end or, you know what I mean? Ultimately, searching for that for that type of meaning is going to be... A bad experience mm-hmm. like the philosophy it's like the philosopher stone is is always found despised in in the mud and so to speak mm-hmm. in a sense like these if you go out there looking for truth you know what i mean you're the pursuit is noble but the ends will not be good ultimately mm-hmm. <laughs> many yeah you know what i mean examining and questioning and, and wondering about the unknown well, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Better le- better to le- leave things that stone unturned. I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, I don't. I don't have anything else. Uh, for those that are listening, if you haven't seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. And if you're curious about any other uh, George Sluzer films, he also did again the, the American version of this. And his final claim to fame was that he directed the the last movie River Phoenix appeared in. And the movie didn't get completed until, like, uh, 20 years after River Phoenix's death. So, and that movie, I think, is called Dark Blood. If you can find that, give it a watch. I haven't seen it yet, but just a neat little uh, trivia, a little factoid, if you will.
0: I wanted to unpack, just before we sign off for the episode, a little bit more about, like... So, my reasoning for not going as far as Rex did would be, like, I feel like it's pretty obvious... That she met a bad end, mm-hmm. and so that that I mean, so going in so far as to drink a a <laughs> laced drink that you know is laced with this guy, that, yeah, like no way, yeah, there's no way I'm fucking going there. Yeah, I mean, there's in
1: what universe uh, does it you know end positively if, if he's never heard from her ever again? You right. know, like so he had to know that that. I mean, he would have to, unless, I mean, the obsession just took hold of him completely and he had no concept of whether or not that she was alive or dead.
0: But maybe that's what makes him, I mean, maybe that's what makes him heroic is ultimately sort of knowing his fate, but also that in that he will be reunited with with Sasuke in a way. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's another way to read the film, I think. Yeah. I don't know if I like, I mean...
1: That's if you want to buy into I think into you it. can read but, I mean <laughs> yeah. you can
0: read it both ways like, yeah. I think you can still have that Well, you know what I mean that doesn't diminish the sort of horrifying deterministic end that he ultimately meets but there is I mean there is that element of like romance yeah still um, present and the fact that like that I I really feel like he when he discovers the coins and that's right before he takes the drink so I think that is Ultimately, he remembers the promise that he made, mm-hmm. which is obviously—I mean—that's super romantic.
1: Yep, exactly. I mean, how far are you willing also to go? You know, but I mean, at a score, of this movie there is a, a very, very strong sense of romance that does exist. In it. And again, the as a movie as as it rolls out, I mean, it's not um,
0: as it rolls. Huh, yeah, the circular uh, the it, circular logic of it.
1: <laughs> it's uh, it, it's still like, you know, um. We're, we're, we are kind of close out with, like, a newspaper, and you have both of their faces where, you know, like, they, they vanish together, you know, and so, and, and their their photos are in two circles, even, like, on the newspaper, like, their images. Uh, so, I forgot about that, but yes. So there is something...
0: Again, that two-egg yeah, imagery. Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, just
0: bringing things full circle yeah and
1: the the music it's it's kind of somber you know um so there is these two lovers are we we just like to believe that they are now floating through space together um so still not i i I still don't think i i would do it you know (laughs) i admittedly i don't know if you if you're a chuck klosterman uh reader but he had one of those um one of his sections of, of, of books that he's written before, uh, he likes to when he meets people, ask them a series of questions. And one of the questions that he asked, he, he likes to ask people is you met the love of your life, uh, the greatest person ever that you've ever, ever met. And unfortunately, um, every two or three years, somebody will come by and break their collarbone with a sledgehammer. You have the, you have the ability to either a let them experience that pain or B Every song that you hear, no matter who sings it, no matter what song it is, whether it's Happy Birthday or the, the latest Kanye song, it's all going to be sang in the uh, the key of Lane Staley, the uh, the frontman singer of the band Alice in Chains. So <laughs> um, when I met Catherine, my wife, just a little uh, quick little brief story. She asked me this question. I'm like, I don't know, man. I don't, have you ever heard Lane Staley? <laughs> uh, if if every song I heard was his voice, I, I might just go ahead and have to deal with the that that crowbar. Um, but anyway, uh, but yeah, it's just it's just one of those. Like, I don't know if I could do it. That's just that's you know, like how how far could you go? But in essence, yeah, I would go ahead and suck it up. I have now met somebody that I would go ahead and deal with Lane Staley. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know if I would take that chance on that on that potion knowing that I was going to my death
0: right I feel like though in a sense I've already you know what I mean because philosophical inquiry is something that I've been obsessed with for for a long long time and ultimately like bumping up against the bounds of reason and trying to like use reason and so forth to determine out you know a, a very regimented and systematic way for for operating within the universe or the world in terms of like a set of ethics or a set of principles or what have you, and just ultimately real coming up with there is no you, there is no greater out force or there's no greater ideal I, idea out there in the universe that I can latch on to to build that system from. Mm-hmm. And so, in many ways, you ha- having to take the responsibility of creating that for yourself can be very. It's that's. In some ways, cosmic horror and, mm-hmm. or existential horror, if you will. Yeah. Buried alive. Yeah. Buried alive. I'm gonna have to. I'll find that. Um, that clip from um, Khan. From Wrath of Khan. Yeah. It'll be the opening. Buried alive. And. uh...
2: I
1: think there've been a, like a couple movies that have like kind of like touched on like being buried alive, but this one just does it in a oh, way that yes, that just just takes it just a different just. I, I just think I mean this one just this is a good one anyway.
0: Definitely. Well, any any final thoughts? Are you ready to sign off? I think I week?
1: I think I'm ready. I'm ready for. Actually I was going to say got I was, a ba-
0: got a baby coming soon. I do. I do have a baby.
1: Uh I was going to say I'm, I think I'm looking forward to uh you know something a little bit lighter but you're bringing up
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Amores Pedro so uh yeah no reprieve.
0: So. I even though like as heavy emotionally as Amores Mordes Pedro's I don't think it even kind of comes close to right. this Fair. Like, this one is just Touché. Yeah. Oh. It's yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Fucking brutal. <laughs>
1: But yeah, so, um, it might be, it might be a couple, you know, weeks or longer before we do this again, as I do have a baby coming, um, uh, potentially any day now. So I'll be uh, doing daddy duties for a little while, but right on. I do thank you very much for, for having me. I look forward to, uh, for tackling, uh, your number four on the list.
0: Absolutely. That'll be coming at some point in the future. So thanks for tuning in guys. We're going to sign off.